0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the BearCast Media Bengals Recap Show. I'm Justin Cashman, alongside uh, Alex Frank and Preston Stober. And our Cincinnati Bengals are now 1-4-1, following a, uh, I'll, I'll say, embarrassing loss, uh, 31-27 to the Indianapolis Colts this past weekend. And uh, we got a lot to get into. I know Alex has a lot to say. Hey, hey, I, think we, I think we all have a lot to say, so...
1: Yeah, but... Uh, okay, okay. Uh, excuse me, excuse me. Excuse um. <coughs> me. <laughs> Samaje Pirine I repeat Samaje Pirine I may not be pronouncing that name correctly But I could care less Why in the holy hell Are we giving Samaje Pirine the ball On third and one With eight minutes What was it nine minutes left in the game Third and one From the 28 yard line With nine minutes to play Wish I had the exact play on me. Uh, the game book. They pull up the um, play-by-play if you don't mind, Justin. Third and one, and you're giving a guy who had, this This is a true stat, 18 carries since 2017 total. The last two seasons and first five games of this season. Yesterday was his first carry of the season. And you're going to run a fullback dive on 3rd and 1. And guess who was in the backfield as the running back on the play? Someone say it, please. Joe Mixon. Thank you. Joe Mixon, who you paid $48 million. Thank you. 3rd and 1 from the 30. Okay, I missed it by two yards. So damn what. From the 30-yard line, no gain. Third and one, momentum's on your side. You've driven what 50, 60 yards to that point, 60 yards to that point after the interception by Jesse Bates, which was a great play. And you're gonna give a guy who has had 18 total carries since 2017 to run the most critical offensive play of the game with Joe Mixon, who you paid 48 million dollars in the offseason. And you're gonna just completely abandon him for some Maj P Oh, and then there's this. Let's hear Zach Taylor's explanation as to why they, 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 they chose to run the play that they did. If I can get this up on Bengals.com. Uh, so we're going to listen to what Zach Taylor had to say uh, about, the, about the play. Here it is. He hasn't got a lot of touches, obviously, this year. Yeah, his third one, fullback play. You know, just a fullback guy play. I uh, felt like he was, he was best suited for that job. Really? You thought that Samaj P. Ryan was the best fit for that job? Wow, that's, that's clever. No, 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 it's not clever, okay? That's just bad coaching. You're completely forgetting the fact that you have your $48 million running back in the backfield, who was had a pretty nice game up to that point yesterday. How many, uh, one touchdown, uh, lingered through a foot injury to still have a productive afternoon for the most part on a day where they used both him and Gio Bernard. So why do you bring some Maje Ryan off the bench? Derrick Henry, who got a contract extension this offseason, too? I mean, he had a uh, 212 yards yesterday, and he took over the game for the Titans. Oh, and the Titans are somehow five and zero through six games, th- through six weeks of the season. <gasps> Imagine what using your best player on offense, or at least your most valuable player on offense, can do for you. Okay, but then, but then it's fourth and one. It's fourth and one from the 30-yard line with Joe Burrow. Preston, you're a big Joe Burrow fan. 60 touchdown passes last year. And the Bengals went for went for a fourth down five times against Cleveland and got all five. They were really good at fourth down coming into this game. So you would think, hmm, offense is moving the ball well. We had a bad play call on third down, which makes me think, okay, if we don't get it with a fullback dive. So apparently, that's the best play on third down. Mm-hmm. That they're going to go for on fourth down. Ah, Zach Taylor our head coach. This is 2020, but we're still going to kick a 48-yard field goal for the lead. And in, in hindsight, maybe that's a good call, but offense with Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, AJ Green had a great game yesterday, and you're going to kick the field goal, and let's hear Zach Taylor's explanation as to why they kicked the field goal, which is even more impressive than his first answer. Listen to this. A couple downs as well. What goes into that, and what's the, the thought process? There's a lot of conversation, you know, that, that we have upstairs and down below, and um, that key one, fourth and one, didn't have a chance to take the lead in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, our offense had gotten two turnovers at the point of the game. and, and just, I, I believed to those guys that they were going to be able to get a stop for us when we converted that 48-yarder. Um, we didn't, you know, we hit the crossbar and that's the way the game goes. But it um, wasn't an easy decision when you're in fourth and one to, to have a chance to go for it. I felt like it was, it was middle of the fourth quarter. We can go take this lead. We're allowed our defense to get a stop and then finish the game the right way. And, and again, it just didn't work out for us. but. Um, I don't know that I would change that decision. Guys? <coughs> really? You have confidence in your defense to get a stop on, uh, on the next possession when clearly all season they have not? Let me be very, very upfront that this is a head coach who was 3-18-1 through his first 22 games. No longer can you make the excuse. Oh, well, we don't don't have talent on the field. Oh, okay. There's talent on this field on offense. There's talent on this field on defense. You spend a whole bunch of money in free agency and your secondary, which by the way, the ratings for the secondary garbage, they stink. William Jackson can't cover anybody. He's not as great as the ratings suggest he is. Darius Phillips can't cover anybody for a lick uh LaShawn Sims is the weak link in the secondary Colts offense did a great job targeting him in the second quarter uh who have I missed Von Bell didn't have a great game yesterday either Mackenzie Alexander did have a great game yesterday first game back in a while though so what I'm saying is if you're relying on your, if you're just saying, oh yeah, our defense is to stop. Uh really? Because I'm pretty sure after the first quarter on yesterday, the defense flat out stunk. And it's the same week after week after week. There is no consistency with this team. One week, the defense plays great to win. The Bengals offense can't do anything against the Ravens. And then the next week, the Bengals offense shows up in the first quarter, 21 points. And then they score six the rest of the game. Six points the rest of the game. And the defense decides to give up 235 passing yards to a quarterback who was being criticized heavily by the local and national media last week after his pathetic performance against the Browns. And you let him do what he did yesterday. What was it, 370-some passing yards and three touchdown passes. There is no consistency with this team. And I'm going to say it right now because I'm going to say it for weeks. I am mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. And I'm not going to mic drop this. I'm going to mic spike that microphone. Someone go, please.
0: I think we're done. I mean, Do we even need to do this show any longer? I don't
1: think I can top that one.
0: Um, No, I mean, Alex, literally everything you said in that, what was it, seven minutes, uh, you're completely right. And if this game doesn't sum up exactly what Cincinnati Bengals football is, I don't know what it is. You start off good. You get some hope. You get some confidence. But you're never fully confident in the fact that no matter how much firepower you have, no matter how much of a lead you have, you're, I mean, you might have a little bit of confidence. You know, you like, you like, to see, you like, you like what you see, but you're not confident that we're going to get the win. The Colts start driving down the field. They start putting up some touchdowns, and immediately you're thinking, we were just talking about it before this, immediately you start thinking, you know, the Colts are going to win this game. It was 24-14, you go, I don't think the Bengals are going to win this. And it, it's very, very, I mean, I just like you said, it's very, very frustrating. Like you said, T. Higgins had a great game. A.J. Green had a great game. But this defense was, I mean, they're awful. Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins get, you know, like a handful of, uh, of uh, snaps each. What do we have, one sack? I think it was Xavier Williams, the guy that you just brought in off the streets. And it, it's just an embarrassing performance. I mean, you like what you saw from the offense to start off, but you cannot give up a lead like that. That is just something that if you want to win games in this in the NFL, you cannot do. And that's something that we're all too familiar with the Bengals, and it's just it's frustrating and I mean Preston I don't know what you think do you think it was the defense that just completely let this game up or this offense they also you know they just kind of took their foot off the gas they really just seemed like they kind of just stopped playing
2: I I think it's a little bit of both I think that when you look across the board I mean it's really tough to pin it on one thing I mean obviously the offense exploded in the beginning so you can't blame them for that but where was it the rest of the game especially at the end and I mean uh, for a Bengals fan watching the game and Alex I mean the, the sequence you talked about I mean that's what really glares out the the third down stop and the fourth the fourth down missed field goal and I think I, I mean the the fullback dive the problem I have with that the most isn't even just who ran the ball it's the play itself a fullback dive and we talked about it earlier I mean the interior of this offensive line has not been very good at all this year and I mean when you run a fullback dive I mean it's more on anything it's just about getting that push up the middle and I think that that is not really the play that I would run in that situation. And then on fourth down, I also would like to see them go for it. I don't have a huge problem with them kicking the field goal just because Bullock's been so hot recently, but I definitely would like to see them go for it. And especially, you want to see them. You want to see the offense really kind of get, get clicking again. I mean, I know it's kind of winding down at the end of the game, but, I mean, that's with eight minutes left. I mean, you really want to see the offense really, really be aggressive because they just were so passive after that really hot start. So, I mean, I think it's just disappointing. I mean... um, Obviously, last week's game was not was just not there. And then this week's game with the Colts, I mean, you jumped off to a hot start. You really think it's turning around in the right direction after we talked about it, really starting to turn around in the right direction. And then once again, after a blown lead, you find yourself at 1-4-1. And I mean, that's just not where you want to be. So I think it's just disappointing.
1: Well, I mean, look, you know, as disappointing as yesterday's loss was because they gave up a 21 nothing lead. And Justin, you said it. I mean, as soon as soon as the Colts made it 14 four fourteen, you're thinking we're going to blow this. That and Preston, you and I were having a conversation yesterday watching the game. Um, we talk about trade. We talk about team trademarks. Okay, not you know what gives them you know the trademark TM by the logo, not that, but like what's their signature? What's their trademark? What they're known for? With Pittsburgh, gets um, their defense. You know they all they've always had a great defense, and they always have you know. Uh, they're, they're very physical, they're, and it's been consistent, and hence they've only had three head coaches in the last 40 years. They're a very, very consistent franchise. So they're, so the Steelers' trademark is physicality and defense. The Ravens' trademark is defense. We're going to blitz the hell out of you. We're going to be opportunistic defensively. We're going to turn the ball over. That's, that's within their defensive trademark. The Bengals' trademark is there is no trademark, and they don't have and identity, and you know, and what I mean by that is there are teams which just stink; they can't do anything well, or there's or there's teams that they have a lot of things that they do well. Like you look at the um, the early Marvin Lewis teams, what they were really good at was they were very flashy. They had great playmakers in Hushman Zada, Chad Johnson, Rudy Johnson, um, even some of their other tight ends and receivers were. Pretty damn good playmakers. Glenn Hulk, remember Glenn Hulk, kick returner number sixteen. Mm-hmm. He was electric. Uh, even defensively, Odell Thurman was a tremendous playmaker in his rookie season. Shame what happened to him. Uh, Delta O'Neill, shut down corner. Uh, uh, um, trying to think of who else. What I'm saying to you is though that even those teams, they never had an identity because they were flashy, but yet. When teams got physical with them, when teams started taking momentum away from them, they panicked and they simply could not respond. And the, the trademark is, therefore, there's no identity and there is the sense that something bad is going to happen even when there is good stuff going on. The Bengals go up 21 nothing yesterday, and I keep saying to myself, there's still so much time left. Colts go down, score make it 21-7. We answer back with a field goal. You're still feeling pretty good in that situation, but as soon as the Colts get that second touchdown... On a drive where they had a 3rd and 10, and then um, it was Rivers hitting, oh, who was it? I believe it was, who was it on that, um, it was a deep ball on their second scoring drive. It was either Pascal or Johnson, or maybe it was Hilton. But, again, they seized momentum. You cannot let an offense that was stagnant in the first quarter explode for 200-plus yards in one quarter on you. That's the Bengals' defense in a nutshell. And yeah, the Colts only scored, what, 10 points in the second half. That doesn't matter. They still move the ball very, very well. There is both There is both good and bad in this game, but because it's the same old song and dance over and over and over, this team simply cannot play from behind. They can't even play the 21-point lead, and they simply cannot play with this coaching staff. There is too much talent on this team for them to be 1-4-1. and one. I really do believe that. There's too much talent on this team for them to be 1-4-1 and the season, yet again, hinging on the next game.
0: Yeah, and you literally said what, I mean, you took the words right out of my mouth. This team has, I mean, think about how much talent this team has. T. Higgins is this exciting rookie who had 125 yards yesterday, who's had a really good start to his rookie season. A.J. Green, he hasn't had a great start to the year, but he had his <laughs> easily his best game of the season thus far with uh, eight catches and 96 yards. We know, you know what you're getting with Tyler Boyd. He had five catches for 54 yards yesterday. So he had a – he kind of – I feel like he just kind of disappeared in the second half, though. But then you think about John Ross, your first-round pick from a couple years ago, and he had one snap all game, and it was on a running play. And it's like, for me, Auden Tate was inactive, was inactive due to a shoulder injury, but it's like, why not – what I was thinking was, like, when they were backed up on their own one-yard line, why not just, like – Try and throw it up to John Ross or, like, a quick slam. You know you know the type of speed that he has. Just why not try and use him? And I just don't – I think it's like – I think it's his coaching staff. I really think it's Zach Taylor just not utilizing all the weapons that he has. And he – I mean, I think he would rather put in, you know, like, Sethan Carter, Samaje Pirine, guys that have, like, barely played any snaps at all for this team instead of guys like John Ross, who you spent a first-round pick on. Obviously, Zach Taylor wasn't the coach when they drafted him, but still – you know what you have in him, and I don't know if it was because he wasn't healthy. And then, like I mentioned earlier, on the defensive side, where's Carlos Dunlap and Geno Atkins? Ben Baby tweeted earlier today. He thinks that Geno's still working back from his shoulder injury, but Carlos is like completely benched. Sam Hubbard's on the on the IR. Why why is Carlos Dunlap only getting 25 snaps in this game? It makes absolutely no sense. And it, it's just I, I just don't think that this coaching staff knows how to use, utilize the weapons that they have to the best of their ability.
2: Absolutely. I think that we've said it in the past couple of weeks. I mean, the past rest of the, most of the season um, to this point, you know, the words missed opportunities, I think is something that we said a lot. And I think that's, that's something that, you know, I just keep thinking about when we talk about this. I mean, you just, I, I feel like a lot of times we're not putting in the, guy, the right guy for the play a lot of times. And I mean, you, you, you hit it right on the head. I mean, I think that, I think we just need to reevaluate a little bit. The coaching staff needs to reevaluate who do we want at these at, at these times. Not just you know, let's put in maybe some guy a guy that has a couple years on somebody else like uh, you know, um, Samaje ren Like I I just don't I don't understand where we're giving him the ball at one of the most critical plays in the game. Um, and then Alex, you talked about trademark, and I think that's a very good point. I think that. Um, the Bing, That's the Bengals' trademark. They have a lot of talent. They can never really put it together a lot of times, you know? They can't really finish the product sometimes. But also, I think trademarks can be changed, like definitely. And I look at, I think the most glaring trademark in football is how the spread offense just came in. And I look at a team, like I know it's not the NFL, but like Alabama. And about 10 years ago, Alabama was, you know, this team that, you know, ground and pound marketing, teams like that. Greg McElroy, a quarterback, you know, he's not slinging around the field. And now look at them. They have some of the best quarterbacks in football, they have some of the best athletes flying around the field. They're passing the ball over the field. Trademarks can be changed. So this Bengals team, that is definitely their trademark. But this is, this is a team that I think can kind of reform that trademark here in the next couple of years. They just got to get the right guys for the right job.
1: Right guys for the right job, and that starts with the coaching staff. I mean, Justin, you and I were talking about this on Saturday on the previous show. It's like, you know, every time, you know, and we look at these head coaching matchups that Zach Taylor has been up against in the NFL. And even like this season, through the first six weeks, it's been Anthony Lynn. He's a pretty good head coach. The problem is, now the Chargers do have a problem, you know, closing out games, but at least Anthony Lynn, with all the injuries that they have, he still has that team playing at a very competitive level. Can we agree on that? No, I I completely agree. Okay, so there's that. Kevin Stefanski, like I I mentioned him on Sunday, on Saturday. Kevin Stefanski, um, he's been a coordinator long enough or at least has been, you know, he worked his way up as a positions as positions coach with the Vikings. Was a coordinator for one year. Proved himself. He's got the job at Cleveland. He had a bad. They had a bad game yesterday. I, I, I don't know what to take from that. I will say that it was a bad game, and you're going to have those. Okay, but for the previous four weeks, they were scoring. They were the highest scoring team in the AFC, the previous four weeks. So there's that. Um, Doug Peterson, Super Bowl, Super Bowl champion head coach. Even Doug Marone. Doug Marone, that's a football coach. That's a head football coach. He's been in the AFC Championship game. John Harbaugh, no words needed there. Probably, eh. Definitely one of the two best head coaches in our division, along with Mike Tomlin of the Steelers. And then uh, Frank Reich, 59 years old, experienced guy, was the offensive coordinator for the Eagles on their Super Bowl uh, championship team. And he took a Colts team from 1-5 to the playoffs in his first year. And last year... After Andrew Luck retired, he still had that Colts team at six and four through ten games in the season, and I think this Colts team—I think there's still some talent there that they can be a playoff contender. It's just like these coaching staffs—they—they they dance around, they dance in circles around Zach Taylor because this is what happens when you have a positions coach being the head coach of a football team. I saw a comment that he's good enough to be a coordinator. And I would even question that because we saw what he did here at UC. Went very good. 13 points a game. He's not good enough to be a head coach. A head coach has to be responsible for all phases of the game. You think about Doug Peterson. Philly Philly. One of the great play calls in the history of the NFL. That's a head coach right there. You think about Bill Belichick. Take, I mean, heck, he was talking to one of, the ref, one of the officials before Super Bowl 53 about if the roof of the stadium was going to be closed prior to kickoff. He's taking into account every single thing about a football game. Even the the roof and the weather. That's being a head coach right there. Not just being like, well, you know, I'll focus on this and this and that. You can't really do that. Um, Now, Preston, you talk about trademarks being changed. And of course it can be. That's what Marvin Lewis did when he first got here. The Bengals' trademark had changed. No longer were they this irrelevant afterthought in the NFL. By year three, this team was a legitimate bona fide contender, and had Carson Palmer not gotten injured in that playoff game, they could have honestly made a run at the Super Bowl. They would have, If they had won that game against the Steelers, they would have gone to Denver the next week, who, despite being 13-3, they weren't, I don't, if my memory serves me correctly, they weren't that potent offensively. They They were really, really good. But they could have, you know, given Denver a run for their money in that game, and it's just like because they played so many good teams close that year, and they beat the Steelers once. They had um, who else did they beat that year? Well, they 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 played the Colts tough in the regular season. So what I'm saying is, you know, Marvin Lewis changed the culture. Now he ultimately couldn't get it over the hump. Okay, that happens. This Zach Taylor hasn't done dip squat. He's I mean three eighteen and one. He can't he can't even win a game. He can't win a game. And Kevin Kugler was on our show on Saturday. Who called the game on Fox yesterday? When he was talking with us, Justin, about you know you have a short leash in this league. You think about the Cardinals; they got rid of Steve Wilkes after year after year one. The Browns have cut head coaches after year one because they because they're trying to win here. And the Browns now have their head coach and they have their quarterback, and we have our quarterback, but not their head coach. Zach Taylor does not deserve to be coaching this team.
0: No, I mean I completely sorry, I completely agree with you, and like. You think about you know we've seen the instagram comments and the twitter comments in the last few days and it i mean i really genuinely think that zach taylor is losing this locker room (laughs) i mean where carlos dunlap is actually probably on his instagram live right now he announced uh, that he was doing a instagram live at seven o'clock talking about just like i think overall the situation with the whole team and it's like when's the last time that a player came on an instagram live to voice his frustration made it publicly known that he is frustrated, and he's going to air it out on Instagram Live. And then you got all the other Bengals players commenting, and it's like Zach Taylor said after the game when asked about, like, the whole Darius Phillips and uh, Sean uh, Sean Williams comments, he goes, well, you have guys that are frustrated, and we have an open door. You might have an open door, but I don't think that these guys want to approach you. And if they are, like yesterday, I think that Zach Taylor, he honestly probably did take – into account that Darius Phillips and Sean Williams were upset because they actually got a good amount of playing time. But then you're uh, doing like that th- three-man, like it was Darius Phillips, LaSean Sims, and Mackenzie Alexander. If you're just like substituting those guys in and out every single snap, it doesn't give a guy to like get hot. It doesn't give a guy to like, I don't think it gives him confidence if after one play he's getting taken out for the other guy. and I, I don't know if it like messes up with them mentally, but I think it's just a lot of questionable decisions by Zach Taylor, and these in this locker room. I don't want to. I don't want to speak for everybody because I. I mean, it's not everybody. But when you start having guys come out on social media, publicly, very frustrated, it's not a good sign for this team. And Kevin Kugler, he said, "Well, usually coaches get a minimum of three years. If Zach Taylor gets another year with this team, I mean, I think all hell will break loose. I, I really don't know the direction of this franchise." I don't know what the future for this team is. I, don't, I mean, I don't even know what the next step in this whole process of dealing with these frustrated players. You can't give them more playing time if they're not playing well just because they're mad. But you also know that these guys are important to the team, and you want them to be happy. So I, I'm just not sure necessarily if I'm Zach Taylor, what do I do next?
2: Yeah, I mean... I mean, I completely agree. I think that when you're a head coach, if you're making some bad play calls, if if fans don't agree with you, if you're doing some things, whatever, we can debate that all you want. But if you lose the locker room, that is something completely different. If you lose the locker room, you, 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 there's no point in even being a head coach. What, what's What's your status if you lose the guys that you are coaching? So... I mean, I think that that you don't really. I mean, these players coming out on social media. When when do you really see player a Steelers player or a Patriots player doing that? Guys under Belichick, uh, under Belichick or Tomlin, guys like that. I mean, you just don't see it much. And I mean, also they've been coaching a good amount of years. But what is? I think what it all comes back to is winning. I mean, if you're winning, guys aren't just not going to be as mad. I mean, even if they're not playing as much, and you're winning, th- that that winning kind of fixes everything at some point. And that's just not coming right now. And so, I mean, I think that definitely it's a little bit on Zach Taylor, the winning part, obviously. But, I mean, if he can't get, get control of that locker room, especially with the social media aspect, I think that is far and away the worst part of this.
1: Zach Taylor was hired because he was on Sean McVay's staff, which I understand if... I understood it then, but I don't understand it now. Now, the Rams are a good football team. I'm, I'm not denying that, you know, what they've done the last three years, really, really, if you exclude last year, you know, they kind of ushered in this, this new um, uh, era of football, almost. I, I think Kansas City's kind of taken over it, but for a while, I mean, the Rams were kind of the new wave of what we've seen in the NFL recently. But, you know, looking back on now, like Zach Taylor, 30, you know, he was what, 35 years old when he got the job quarterbacks coach, had never been a coordinator uh, at a, full, a full-time a full coordinator position. He was an interim offensive coordinator, an interim offensive coordinator with the Miami Dolphins in 2015. And you're going to hire that guy to be the head coach of your football team. And the whole point, the whole point was, it was because Marvin Lewis could not win when it mattered. What was the point of firing Marvin Lewis again? Well, what was the point of firing Marvin Lewis again?
0: Public frustration.
1: Exactly. So, don't great organizations um, get... Isn't the the whole point of it to get a head coach who's supposed to be better than the guy before?
0: I mean, I would say so, and it's like, I don't know with them if it was you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but, I mean, (laughs) Zach Taylor, you bring in this young guy who's in his 30s, and I understand, like, the aura around Zach Taylor, like he was just with the Rams and they had this great offense They're in the Super Bowl. Jared Goff has had this great start to his career and in large part, probably due to, you know, some good coaching by Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor worked with Ryan Tannehill, Miami, and they really had a good start. The offense was pretty potent, but it's like how, just like you said, you can't bring in a position coach, like a, especially a quarterback's coach and expect him to be able to lead this team in all aspects of the game. And it's I mean, you look at a guy like who else? Who else was it that they interviewed? It was uh, uh we talked about this before. <laughs> Shane
1: Waldron, Eric Enemy, Vance Joseph.
0: I mean, and I understand, and like I remember they had said that they really liked Zach Taylor. You know, they really liked the way he uh, came off to them. He really was well spoken. He seemed like a really good like leader. And I, I mean, it's just like, how do you think that he is going to be any better than a? person that has been a head coach in this NFL and the NFL prior to that and I just don't really think that I think they were just trying to rush the decision I think Duke Tobin and the whole front office were really trying to rush it I don't think that they really made the smart decision and now we're really seeing the negative you know we're seeing the downfall of that already in his second year not even halfway through the second year and I just think that if this team wants to be revitalized I don't think it starts with getting the whole team on the same page. I, I really do think that moving on from Zach Taylor is going to be the best thing for this team. And I don't know if you have to do it right now, but I think you have to do it by the end of this season. And especially if we only win two, three, I mean, even four games. I think no matter what, I think you have to move on from Zach Taylor. You have to show that you – you have to admit that you made the mistake. You hired the wrong guy. He clearly was not the right fit for this team. And I just think that you have to go out and make uh, – Informed decision on who you want as your head coach moving forward because Zach Taylor just isn't the guy.
1: Going back to what Preston said, and the fact that you don't see players on New England or the Steelers, if you don't see their players saying much on social media. That's because they have head coaches who are grown ups in the room. They've been there before. They're veterans in this league. I mean, we have two of them in our own division John Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin. I mean, the Patriots have Bill Belichick. I mean, you think, and it wasn't until just like last year where your head coaches. That reached the that reached the conference championship games. Go back to 2018. Your head coaches in the conference championship games were as follows: Sean Payton, Bill Belichick, Andy Reid, Sean McVay. Now Sean McVay is a rare exception. This past year, a little bit different. Other than Andy Reid, your your three head coaches were Mike Vrabel, um, Matt LaFleur, and Kyle Shanahan. Now those are all those are three really good young head coaches. So there are some that work in this league, but I think about, okay, 2016, it was Belichick and Mike Tomlin, uh, Dan Quinn and Mike McCarthy. 2015, Ron Rivera and Bruce Arians, Bill Belichick, Gary Kubiak. 2014, Mike McCarthy, Pete Carroll, You know, an older guy who's been there before, he's got a firm grasp of the locker room in Seattle, he's got, he's got his quarterback, the fan base loves him, you know, outside of... I mean, this is a big time blunder. Outside of the, you know, the passing the ball on the one yard line, what bad thing has he done? He hasn't done a whole. He hasn't done very many bad things in Seattle throughout his career. Twenty, um, uh, you can go, you can go on down the line the list of head coaches in conference championship games. Now you might see a trend of younger head coaches getting there, but Zach Taylor is just simply not that guy. You reached for him when you hired him. I'm like, okay, great. He's all this. Now I didn't think too much of it, but a quarterback's coach, please. We talked about it. Freddie Kitchens last year. He he's not even. He was fine as an offensive coordinator, but he's not head coach material. As the head coach of a football team, you have to think not just about not just about one group, not just about one side of the ball, but the whole team. You know what the the, the fans, even maybe a little bit. You know the 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 nuances and the elements surrounding the game. And the best head coaches will do that. They, they, they really will do that. And Zach Taylor is not that guy. I think
2: that hiring Zach Taylor was was a risk. I think that that they went they went for somebody. You know, he was under Sean McVay. They really wanted him to pan out that way. And I I really don't think it is panning out that way. Maybe does he deserve a little more time? Maybe, but. I mean, I just think the way that it's looked, it's just, and and the glaring aspect for me is the social media and the the unrest on the team. I mean, I think that's just hard to fix. I mean, that takes a long time to fix. So that's the worst part for me, and I think that at this point, and I mean, if it keeps going on like this, and Justin, you know, maybe you said like two, three, or four wins, I mean, there's really no shame in firing him. Admit that maybe he was not the right decision. It was a risk. Just maybe, maybe it is time to move on, maybe not right now, I don't know, but at some point this season, if it continues like this, it is time to move on, so I think that fire it would not be awful, it would not look awful in the organization to fire him at some point this season if it continues like this, especially just because of the the upside that he had
1: but here's what here's what happened here's what happened with Marvin Lewis. There were some good things, and there were some bad things, and the one and one bad thing that has lingered is the fact that Mike Brown values so much continuity, and they're going to give head coaches the opportunity to prove themselves in the NFL. Mike Brown and Duke Tobin are probably thinking, well, you know, the defense played well last week, the offense played well this week, maybe they'll put it all together against the Browns. No, I mean, it's it, it's they've shown flashes here and there of, of offense played great against Cleveland, they had some moments against Philadelphia, they played well against Jacksonville, heck, they had their first... 300, 200-yard game since 1988. I mean, the head coach then was Sam Weishin, the head and the owner was named Paul Brown, who I like much more than Mike Brown. But the problem is, because of what Marvin Lewis did in his first three seasons under Mike Brown's ownership, and considering that the previous, what, 12 years were horrendous, he was going to keep Marvin Lewis for a long, long time. And, you know, they kept teasing us that it was going to eventually work out. And they got close. I'm not saying that they were a bad team. They got really stinking close. The most success that this franchise has had for a sustained period of time, believe it or not, was under Marvin Lewis. I remember someone said that they they should put a statue of Marvin Lewis outside the stadium. At first, I was like, please, you know what? I'm actually not completely opposed to that. Because when this franchise has not has won just a grand total, ready for this, the, fran- the Bengals have won five playoff games in franchise history. Tom Brady's won six Super Bowls by himself. I mean, you want to put in context how futile this franchise is, and you have this aura in Joe Burrow, and you don't have the pieces around him. Now, I will say this. The offensive line was really solid yesterday. Would you agree on that?
0: I would completely agree. They played... Very well. Jenna Williams looks like a
1: franchise left tackle. Yeah. Okay. So okay. So 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 we can argue that two of the most important positions, if not the two most important positions, are quarterback and left tackle. So you have those, but you gotta get the right coach to coach them. The talent is just simply. It, it, th- th- this team deserves better than Zach Taylor. Okay. The whole point of you know looking back on it, why did the Bengals fire Marvin Lewis? Because. The the public was desperately calling for him to be fired. He didn't do anything in year sixteen, outside of maybe a good four and one start. But why else do they fire him? What direction is this team? You mentioned it. What one you mention it? What direction is this team going in? There's no direction here. The the direction this team is going is plummeting. That wasn't supposed to be when they hired Zach Taylor. This team is supposed to be training in an upward direction, and they're simply not doing that.
0: And I I can completely understand why you want to say that. You know, we we know why Marvin Lewis is gone, because the public voiced their frustration. He had not had much success with the team in the last few years. But I think it's easy to say that now, that why did we fire him? But at the time, I can remember that people – I mean, that was probably – the most upset I have seen the the Bengals fan base is when the Bengals refused to sign or uh, refused to fire Marvin Lewis, and they wanted him gone so bad. And he, so it, I think it is easy to say right now that like Marvin Lewis is probably the better option instead of Zach Taylor, and I completely agree, but at the time, I wanted Lewis gone, and I was ready for a new head coach. I was excited about Zach Taylor beforehand, but but I feel like this team, I just feel like they focus way too much on what's gonna happen like i think they look too much at like the guys that are injured right now they say, oh well when they're healthy you know they'll be back next season well these this position they played good last week kind of like when the offensive line played good against the jaguars then got completely obliterated against the ravens and then they go well we have these guys injured right now and like you know they'll be back in a few weeks or they'll be back next season and then we'll really put it all together well this organization has not had like very good uh, luck with (laughs) injuries DJ Reader's gone, Mike Daniels is gone, Xavier suafilo has gone, uh, who am I missing, Trey Waynes. And I know that you spent a lot of money on these guys in the offseason, and you do have hope for them to come back and play well and play well next season, but this is a win-now league. And if you don't win, you know, I mean, you he hasn't even strung together back-to-back, win, or, uh, back-to-back wins in multiple weeks. And you, you just have to win games, and we're not doing that right now. Three wins in one and a half years—that's not going to cut it. If any other organization, I feel like he would be on the hot seat. Right now, I really don't think he is.
1: He's not because this this franchise values one thing, and that's one huge um, virtue, and that's continuity. I mean, that's a that's a staple within this franchise, and it's ever since Marvin Lewis got here. Where this, I mean, Marvin Lewis was the head coach of this of this franchise for sixteen straight for sixteen years, and this franchise was in year 51, okay, so he coached 16 of the 51 seasons. That's almost a third of the history. And when there's not much history surrounding the Cincinnati Bengals prior to Marvin Lewis getting here and the the success that he had, he's the all-time winningest coach. The only problem is he couldn't win in the playoffs. If Marvin Lewis had won three playoff games, maybe maybe gotten the Bengals to a conference championship game, maybe gotten to a Super Bowl, heck, maybe won a Super Bowl, that he would still be coaching absolutely he'd still be coaching it's not complicated now justin you bring up you know the fact that you know the the front office and the coaching staff can mention that there's injuries but okay this is not a league where you can make excuses teams who do that they're not going anywhere the jets please they stink all the injuries they have they stink and they might be the only team who's worse than the Bengals as far as uh, right now at least maybe organizational management but you think about um the fact that the great teams in this league, they overcome those injuries. I mean, what's a team just, what's a team recently who, I mean, the Eagles last year. They had all these injuries to their wide receivers, their offensive line, and they go 9-7. and seven. Call coaching Doug Peterson and a front office who understands that this is a win-now league. They know what the fan base wants. They listen. There's a strong disconnect between the fan base and the team. The organization, and it's been that way for years. Marvin Lewis got got this got this franchise to a relevant to a high level of relevancy contention. They just couldn't get it done. And but why fire him after a six and ten season where there's injuries all over the roster and it's not as good as it was in 2015? If you fire him in 2015, I call for his job in 2013 after the loss of the Chargers. If you fired him then, the the head coaching position was extremely attractive. Then I mean, think about. Who you could have gotten as your head coach? Jim Colwell, maybe. Uh, Who else? He went to the Lions that year. Fun fact. Um, Who else became head coach in 2014 that was a rookie? Um, I'm trying to think. But my point being, Chip Kelly, maybe even. My point being here is Kyle Shanahan, maybe. Uh, Dan Quinn. My point being here is that this franchise, they made excuses after the playoff loss to the Colts in 2014. Well, we had all these players out. And you know what? To their point, they were right. They came back the next year. This team was unstoppable through the first half of the season. But then injuries piled up in the second half. They kind of spurted out a little bit. And then the playoff game, don't get me started. If Marvin Lewis was... See, this is the problem. You have to make decisions how it's going to impact you now, how it's going to impact you in two years, and then five years. Because ever since that playoff game in 2015, this franchise has gone... (laughs) Toilet flush. Thank you, Preston.
2: I th- yeah, I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to say, you know, we, sh- we should have kept Marvin Lewis, you know, I mean, he had a great career here, kind of sputtered out a little bit at the end, just couldn't win the playoffs, I mean, that's, that's the only knack you have on him, which, which, which is rough, I mean, that's, that's when you got to win, as a head coach. Um, and then, I mean, you come to now, I mean, you talk about direction, I mean, it's just, it, it is, it's all direction, I mean, when you're a head coach, you have to, one, know what you're doing, and then show kind of what you're doing, and it has to, I mean, the proof has to be in the pudding, I mean, you have to win games. And it just doesn't really seem like for Zach Taylor it's really coming around. I mean, if there was a, a, if you had a real sense of direction of where this team was going and the team was losing, okay, that's the, at least we know what we're doing. But there's really no even sense of direction. It's kind of a double whammy. It's like, I mean, there's, there's pieces that this team has. There's great pieces with Joe Burrow with a lot of athletes. But how do, how do we really make this team into a winning formula is completely different. And I think that's something that Zach Taylor is just not doing right now and you really have to see that happen for this team to rebuild.
1: The NFL is a team-driven league. It's not an individual-driven league like the NBA is. Like the the NFL, you have to have because there's so many different positions on a team. I mean, you have you have 11 players on the field at one time, but they are but they're 11 different positions. Offense has well, maybe not on offense, but defense got defensive end, nose tackle, linebacker, inside, outside, all that jazz. So. It's really a matter of, you know, 11 guys coming together on one side of the ball, and how that comes together is is schemes, it's play calling, it's coaching. That's what it is. That's what it is. And this team simply, like, I go back um, seven years ago. The Bengals coaching staff. Marvin Lewis was was the head coach. Jay Gruden was the offensive coordinator. I liked him contrary to what others might think. And our defensive coordinator was Mike Zimmer, one of the best in the NFL. That was a good coaching staff. They got the best out of that team. Now there were some there were some coaching decisions that were made that I didn't particularly agree with, but they still got a lot out of that uh, out of those teams. You know the thing about this twenty twelve they went from three and five to ten and six because they because they made some adjustments throughout the season. There was immense hope going into the twenty thirteen season. This is what this is what happens now when we lose so much. We look at the organization in the big picture. We we haven't even how, how much of the game yesterday we talked about. <laughs> not very much. Not very much. Just know that the Colts had a rec- the, the Colts' leading receiver yesterday was activated off the practice squad on Saturday. We're not talking about a game. We're talking about practice.
0: Yeah, and. I mean, I know we've talked a lot about the organization and whatnot, but, you know, I said at the beginning of the show is like this Bengals game against the Colts was kind of just representative of what this team has been the last few years. And that's just once you start to get a little bit of hope, once you start to get a little bit of confidence, it just it quickly diminishes. You, you know, you they give up what 59 yards of rushing. That is a great stat. I think that's really hopeful. That's or you get very hopeful about these young linebackers, um, Jermaine Pratt, Logan Wilson, Dekeem Davis, gather Logan Wilson did give up that touchdown or what I guess what they called a touchdown to Jack Doyle. Um, so you like? I what still you, don't think it was. No, I, I mean that's up in the air, but still, I mean you like you like what you see from some of your young players, but we mentioned this secondary just played a terrible. I mean, 108 yards to Marcus Johnson, who they activated from the practice squad. Uh, Trey Burton, who had the uh, he threw the touchdown, the Philly Philly. Um, I think he just—I forgot he was that guy. Yeah, I think he was injured the week prior. He had four uh, four receptions, fifty-eight yards on a touchdown. Zach Pascal had a touchdown. Uh, so you had one, two, three, four guys that had fifty or more yards. I mean, that, quite frankly, that's just unacceptable. William Jackson in a contract year—you're going to play like that. He had a few good plays at the beginning of the game, but <laughs> I mean. Everyone, I think everyone had a lot of good plays at the beginning of the game. And then as the game just goes on and on, they just get—they just seem tired. They seem worn out. Phillip Rivers, and honestly, I don't want to knack the secondary for because some of them, they did have really good coverage. LaShawn Sims on the uh, Zach Pascal touchdown, he was draped all over him. Logan Wilson, he was draped all over uh, Jack Doyle. But Phillip Rivers, being the feisty veteran that he is, feature Hall of Famer, he put it in the spots where only his wide receivers could get it. So I understand, like from the outside looking in it does look really bad but i think that you can be hopeful moving forward you still have guys like you know Mackenzie alexander william jackson i don't think he he's had an okay year i think that he'll probably end up getting a contract extension after this year so he i mean he's good but after that i mean von bell he played okay von Von bell cannot cover one-on-one i will say that right now he cannot cover one-on-one he's a good tackler Jesse Bates is easily probably the best safety in the league. So you have a few good young guys to work around. After that, you really need to fill out the back end of this uh, secondary group or else you're just going to get burnt toast every week because it, what was it, 371 passing yards and three touchdowns.
1: That's unacceptable. This is a guy in Phillip Rivers, like I said, who was getting criticized last week by local writers and national writers because, I mean, did the Colts make a $25 million mistake? I mean that was the talk, and in the first quarter, it was like maybe they did, um, but then the second quarter, it's like mm, yeah, he still got it. Keep in mind, this is a guy who we talked about on Saturday, Justin. He's only two years removed from throwing thirty-seven touchdown passes for the Chargers. Now last year he lost to He lost. He lost a. He lost a um, what do I say? He he lost his rhythm a little bit. So this year he's got four touchdowns and five picks for the first five games. Now he's got. Seven and six, which isn't that much better, but for him yesterday that's a step in the right direction for him and this team they go into their bye week they're four and two uh who do they have in week eight um, I forget who it is' might I'm, I'm not sure but regardless of that um it, it, it just you know the second William Jackson is not as great as you as you think is how many times am I gonna have to say it do not believe. What Pro Football Focus tells you, don't believe what DVOA tells you, don't believe what any, any rating service will tell you. Kevin Kugler said this on on Sunday, on Saturday, excuse me, that yes, I might be I might be saying what I think about the secondary from through a fan's lens. But I'm telling you right now, it, I see the same thing week after week after week. And I watched it on tape today, not, and I'm not a fan when I'm watching this on tape, by the way. I watched the film of the game today. William Jackson is not as great as you think he is, or he's inconsistent at best. Darius Phillips is so overrated. Uh, LaShawn Sims is the weak link. If, if, if teams target him and force him to play, and then, and then you can target Darius Phillips and William Jackson... Yeah, that's, that's a winning formula right there. It, it, it's, just the same, it's just the same old song and dance. And the thing about this is this year we're supposed to be the turning point of this franchise. The lease is up in 2026. And with, with so much losing, we talk about the organization. There is no identity here. They haven't won a road game in two years. That's simply not going to get it done. You can okay. All you have to do is you know go undefeated at home and then win three games on the road. You're eleven and five. That's that's fine. But this team this team can't win one game on the road. And I don't know if they can win at home next week. And hell, the Titans come in and we gate. That's gonna be a. Phew, I don't know about that game.
2: Hmm. Well, first off, the Colts have the Lions, followed by the Ravens, uh, Titans, Packers, and Titans again. So they have a tough schedule coming up. To answer your question, so go
1: through but, that again. The Ravens, um, they
2: have the the uh, Lions to win. kick it off, and then they have the um, t- the Ravens win, Titans, where Packer, at uh, Titans at Tennessee L, Packers home win, Titans home, toss up. So I mean, they, yeah, they have they have a pretty tough schedule coming up, but I mean. Um, Philip Rivers, I mean, how just motivated he's been throughout his career and how just great he's been throughout his career. How outspoken he is, just how flamboyant he is on the field. I mean, I think we've all seen his trash-talking videos, whether it's on Instagram or Twitter or something. I mean, he's a funny guy. He always tries to get himself into the game. I think that it really it really motivated him this week hearing maybe or seeing all of that kind of, you know, slander on his name. But how – I mean, he had an awful game against the Browns. I mean, I, I was in that same boat. I was like, well – I think the Colts maybe made a mistake here. I mean, I I don't. Philip Rivers really doesn't seem like himself. I think that he came out with a chip on his shoulder, and I think that the uh, Bengals defensive backs really got the brunt of that. And I'm not taking anything. uh, I'm not. I'm not taking any blame off the defensive backs. I'm not at all. I'm just saying that Philip Rivers, I think, was very motivated, and I think that the Bengals defensive backs got the brunt of that. And with that said, I mean, there was there was definitely some bright spots on the defense, like you talked about, Justin, but. I mean you just you, you can't really give up all of that those passing yards and really expect to hold a lead, no matter how big the lead it is. If if you give up that many passing yards and just let that offense be so explosive, you no lead is really safe at all. And I mean yeah, the rushing the rush defense was very good yesterday, but you you just can't do that as a defensive backcourt.
0: Yeah, and you look at the Bengals schedule at the beginning of the season. Los Angeles who's had uh, what's their record? Like one and four. They've
1: lost every game since they came here.
0: Yeah, Cleveland, who's had a who's four and two now. Philadelphia, who's not very good.
1: They've lost. Uh, they are one and two since we played them.
0: Jacksonville, they're not very good. Horrible. Baltimore, they're not as good as as I think a lot of people expected. Indianapolis, number one defense, but even them, I don't think they're as good as what their record shows. And I think a lot of people honestly expected this schedule early on to be. Fairly not, I wouldn't say easy, but not as hard as I mean. And we have one game to show for it. One, I mean, I guess one win and one tie. And you look at the schedule moving forward. You look at the Washington, New York, Miami, Dallas. Maybe depending on how Andy Dalton does with them, (laughs) it's so funny to say that'll be interesting. Interesting to see Andy Dalton come to Cincinnati. But I mean, at this point in the season, I think what we're really looking for is, I mean, what do you? Are you playing for four wins? Are you playing for five wins? We're not making the playoffs. That's out of, that's out of mind. I, I'm sorry. I don't know if anybody still has any hope that we're making the playoffs, but it, it's just not going to happen. Well,
1: there's, always, there's always a chance. I mean, you, you, you never really do know, but you do know that the likelihood of them making the playoffs is what? 0.01%? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and it's just... Maybe add a few more zeros on there?
0: <laughs> yeah. And so it, as much as I love the Bengals and as much as we love watching the Bengals every single week and as excited as we get we throw on our jerseys i don't want to watch a team that's playing for minimal wins i know they're not playing for minimal wins but that's that's basically what it is we're not playing for a playoff spot zach taylor at best will get one more year and it, the direction of this franchise you should get one more game yeah really you should just get one more game and if you lose at home against cleveland i mean Cleveland is good, so I don't want to say if you lose because I I won't give away my score prediction for Friday. Um, but You Cleveland, already have it? No, Or my prediction for the game, anyway. Not <laughs> score prediction. Okay. But well, you kind of if I you guess. lose Sunday against Cleveland and you lose in a blowout, Zach Taylor needs to be fired immediately after the game. I, I don't understand how you could be at home, lose against the Browns, who just got a whooping against the Steelers, which the Steelers are 5-0. They're really good. You can't question that. But (laughs) it it, it will show a lot. What Sunday will show a lot about the franchise and what is going through Mike Brown and Duke Tobin's uh, minds about Zach Taylor and what they really think about Zach Taylor moving forward. He
1: has two games to prove it because I'm out right now. I I, I said, sorry, I said on Saturday's show and I tweeted this today that I am 90% sure that Zach Taylor and this coaching staff is not the right fit. I've seen some good things this season. The Ravens were really, really good. Well, they were. I'm prepared for that game too. But um, I'm like, okay, if, if if they can go out and move the ball against the Colts and win, then they will prove that okay, they can beat some teams. Maybe just not the Ravens yet. But they can't even hold a 21 point lead. I don't care if you're playing on the road or not. You're up 21 to nothing. You're up 24 to seven. And a team with Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow, Tyler Boyd, AJ Green, T. Higgins gets three points in the last 38-04 of the game. It's it, it's not this is not a reflection of them. This is a reflection of the coaching staff. We Kevin Kugler mentioned this on Sunday. This Bengals team is better than they were last year. Significantly better, I think. And they're and they're not showing it. Zach Taylor's got two games to prove it. If they lose to the Browns, he might get fired He might get fired for that game. Now you can argue you can wait till after the you you can argue that you can wait till after the Titans game cuz it's the bye week and the likelihood of you winning that game is not very good even with Joe Burrow at quarterback. But if you and then if you win that game you're going to say, "Well, we just beat the Titans so we're going to keep Zach Taylor along. You would be 2-5 and 1 place. Um and then so if you lose to the Browns fire Zach Taylor. But I realized last night who's going to take over for him? One of, the, one, of the, one of his assistants, because they aren't very good. They, and those assistants, by the way, were hired by Zach Taylor. This coaching staff, this, Mike Brown and Duke Tobin need to do a complete overhaul of the coaching staff. Because there is too much talent for them to be performing the way they are and blowing a 21-point lead. I'll, I'll close with this. When your organization in pro sports is run like a family-run business... Sometimes niceties and leniency and excuse-making and whatever can get in the way of winning. Because, because you value family too much when really you need to put the best people out there. Family-run businesses in the NFL do not work. That's what the Bengals are. They're like a, they're like a family-run business. Someone made that comment a long time ago. The Bengals are like a family-run business or family restaurant. That's what this team is. That's what this team is. The only problem is the cook is not very good. Well put. <laughs> I mean, I mean,
0: you're you're completely right. I've never actually heard that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that uh, reference before, but that, I mean, you're completely right. I mean. It's funny because everyone always makes everyone always makes the joke about how Bengals always, always, always bring former players back in. I mean, look, they brought back Andre Smith last year, who was abysmal. I mean, I don't even want to talk about that. But look what they did today. They brought back second-round pick from 2013, Margus Hunt, who most recently was with the Saints. He had a career high in sacks in 2018 with the Colts. But it's just like... It's the same old song and dance. It's just stale. And I know they had interest in Damon Harrison, Damon Snacks Harrison, the defensive tackle before he signed with, I believe, Seattle. Was it Seattle? But it's just, I, I, everyone thought it was going to be different. It was this new day. That's of saying. It's this new day. It's this new era with a new head coach, new quarterback, new, a whole new demeanor from this franchise and this fan base. But we're slowly learning that it's really not much different than what we really thought it was. They can easily display it; they can put it on display that we're this brand new, you know, shiny new car, and everything is so great. But then you start driving it, and it really doesn't work because it wasn't put well. It wasn't put together very well, even though it looks great. It doesn't operate very well, and it all starts from up top. It all starts up front with Mike Brown, Duke Tobin, and if they want this franchise to win games soon. Then I think, like we mentioned, they need to move
1: on from Zach Taylor. Preston, you got about two minutes.
0: Uh, it's, it's not. It's not
2: really the fact that the team is one four and one. It's how the team is one four and one. The first game of the season, that should be a win. I, I believe. I believe that should be a win. This game right here, this should definitely be a win. I mean, you're up twenty one points. That should be a win. The nature of the Ravens' loss, which was kind of disappointing. I mean, I think you should win the Eagles game. I mean that it's just the disappointing ways that these games have ended up is that's that's to me that's the most disappointing point part is this team could be so bright and yeah maybe the wins aren't going to flood in now maybe the chargers game maybe i'm reaching a little bit for a should have been a win but I, I i just think that this team is a team that has, it could be so bright you things just got to start coming together more and Then, obviously, with the unrest on the team, I mean, I think that's another thing that just is is so big. So a lot has to change. I want to see a lot change here in the upcoming weeks. I mean, we got um, the Browns this week and then a a couple tough games. I want to see a lot change coming into there.
0: Yeah. Any final comments? I I wonder how many times we said Zach Taylor during this show. (laughs) The words fire and the words Zach Taylor. Um, I think that's it. Uh, We'll be back on Friday. I believe Friday for the uh, preview yes. show against the uh, Cleveland Browns on Sunday. That should be a fun show. Thank you so much for listening. This is the BearCast Media Bengals uh, recap show. Justin Cashman alongside Alex Frank and Preston Stober. We will talk to you guys soon.